Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it's stuck. I'm a cyclist, not simply in the sense that I ride a bike but in the sense that some people are socialist or Christian fundamentalist or ethical realist. That is, cycling is my ideology, a system of thought based on purity, economy of motion, kindness to the environment and drop handlebars, and I want to convert others. Get on that bike and pedal your blues away. It's 2019. Welcome back to the Yarrabuck Radio Show here at 3CR. Radical radio happening all the time. Many thanks to Amy Goodman at Democracy Now! Many thanks to actually all the people who are involved in 3CR. We're going to start the year off in a good way. And I should remind everybody that 2019 is a special year. The year that Blade Runner set. <laughs> Welcome to the off-world colonies, the promise of a new tomorrow. <laughs> and with me this morning, the start this year of the Blade Runner is Faith. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. A special morning out there. You notice the flame trees have started to drop the red. Persian lilacs are in full swing. How are the jacarandas in in oh, regardless. The jacarandas are over. Or over, yeah, they've come and gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a real signifier in some ways, isn't it? But they're looking happier now that those uh, the pipe works through Edinburgh Gardens are finished. Yes. You know, so yeah. you, you can uh, get down through Edinburgh Gardens now, but <laughs> not but much further. But we will discuss this later <laughs> on. <laughs> now, Faith, I've been saving up bike moments by the thousands <laughs> You must have one. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I haven't had much time since I got back to accrue many, and it, it's just that thing where um, I suppose most of the ones I've had are just annoying. You know when you've been away for a month and everything's like I have a D-lock 
that's small enough to fit in my smallest bag. It, yep. it fits in all my musettes and it even fits in my handbag. And I usually, when I go, I put it somewhere where I will find it when I get back. And I remember doing that and I still can't find it. So I'm having to drag around a big, heavy, bulky lock. You've got a training lock. <laughs> the more I ride with this lock, the stronger I will get. We were talking, uh, we referenced before about the change of the bike path in Edinburgh Gardens all through Napier Street. So Napier Street now right to the Fitzroy Swimming Pool is open and the bit that's closed now is crossing of Queen's, Queen's Parade. Parade. And to do that now there's a, a dock leg, dog leg after you cross the pedestrian crossing. I've been riding that route for, I think, eight years now. And obviously along the way, you see the same people coming at the same time. We're all on our little schedules. And over the years, there are some people you nod to and there are some people you don't nod to because there's never any interaction. So uh, another cyclist who comes the the other way and... We've never shown any sign of recognition to each other at all. Anyway, we're halfway through the dog leg. She's coming back towards the city. I'm going to the other way. And all of a sudden we talk, start talking about this diversion <laughs> in Apia Street. It's, and it was the conversation was like we'd known each other for eight years, yeah. which we probably have seen each other for eight <laughs> years. And thank God to this water pipe, now we had a little bit of a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the power of the bike works mysteriously sometimes. It does. <laughs> it does. It uh, allows for slow interactions that uh, laugh for those moments. Yeah, yeah, and a long introduction sometimes yeah. is not a bad thing. No. No. <laughs> Another eight years before you get sick of each other. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to No, I'm not looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to... Unknown territory. <laughs> we should press on with some news. With some news. Yeah. Okay. Oh, where do we start? <laughs> um, well, we'll do some local yep. stuff first. So um, as we, we mentioned, there is a detour um, on Queen's Parade for those who use the Edinburgh Gardens Nea Street route. So just be aware of that. as you, You'll see detour signs as you're yep. riding along. Um, but uh, that's that pipework still ongoing and it's in place until I think it's the 24th. Well, they're, they're, so they're halfway through yeah, it's Saturday, so yeah. it's nearly done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. Um, also locally, there was a, a really a good story in many ways. It, it illustrated a lot of the, the, the small things that can make, you know, um, the choice to use a bike really difficult for people and can certainly put a lot of parents off letting their kids use it. Um, a local kid in the city of Yarra, Denali, uh, six years old, um, and just was riding to school and discovered a lot of problems he and his friends had on their way. Um, they were often forced to shuffle in single file along footpaths because of cars that were blocking footpaths and the ramps that you use to cross roads at safe points. So um, the school and Denali's father got in touch with Yarra Council and the engineering department have installed wheel stops to keep parked cars from blocking the footpath um, and made more space for the kids on the footpath by filling the areas around street trees with a firm, compacted sand surface, which 
and new ramps in better positions that cars can't block. Yeah. Which, you know, is a great response from the city of Yarra, but an illustration of how, you know, we're often you can get quite big things put in place sometimes or big changes, but that you also need to be really aware of those minor things. And especially as cyclists, a lot of cyclists would say those things don't matter. You know, it's yeah. it can be that as a very able, confident cyclist, you forget what it's like at the other end, you know, for someone six year old Seven years old to yeah. be able to travel to school or eighty years old to feel safe and confident to use their bike. So, um I think that was a great response from the CBR and a good illustration of the things we need to remember when we're talking about making it easier for people to ride. And a good reminder that sometimes if you just sit at home and complain about something, nothing will change. Yeah. All you'll do is get more outraged and upset. Um, Yarra's a lot like, or Yarra's always been the forerunner on these things, a bicycle advisory committee, isn't If you go to these places and present the cases, Denali and his father did, yep. things happen. Yeah, and it is, yeah, you're right, it is worth speaking up, even if you lived in an area that isn't as responsive. If everyone who was annoyed by it spoke up, that would change. Yeah. You know, it's it's because everyone's sitting at home thinking, oh, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, and the other tip with every council and every one of these things, yes, make the phone call, follow it up with an email because the emails are logged. It is there. Yeah. They have, most council will have a time response for the answering of emails. So think of it as actually being something set and then there will be a reaction to it. Sometimes a phone call will get blown away a little bit or forgotten or something like that. But the email puts on those councils who've always made a promise of transparency and that's how they do it. Yep. And you can even use some of those apps, Snaps and Solve. There we go. It's a brilliant one. And that, again, that um, a response has to be logged and it will yeah. get diverted to the appropriate council. Or, you know, one issue I reported went to the local council, but also um, I got a response from Vic Roads because it was also a road they managed. Uh-huh. And, you know, so that's worth looking at too. It is worth looking at. Just stew at home. No. It's not good for you anyway. <laughs> Um, speaking about um, trying to promote safer cycling, Anamirs <laughs> can't buy a dress in. I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't say that. Let's go try and unpick those the South Australian ads a little bit. Well, I guess it's the South Australian Motor Accident Commission who commissioned ads and uh, approved the scripts and uh, decided to run with the ideas that we now see on screen. Yep. Um, and, yeah, look, it's, you know, and they obviously choose to run these during January because there's so much focus... On cycling. On cycling in South Australia. Um, but in trying to do something that reduces supposedly reduces the risks for bike riders, the emphasis on the cyclist's behaviour when the identified causes of 
and not the cyclist. Uh, not the cyclist's behaviour. Yeah. You know, I mean, in the same week that one, the advertisement you mentioned is, yeah. and I mean, it's choosing a dress that's as bright as possible, and the yeah. the idea is that you should wear as bright clothing as possible. But the idea riding. underneath it is you blame the victim because I'm wearing a banana coloured yeah. dress. And the irony that this week there was, or last week now, um, a teenager who caused crashed their car because they were driving blindfolded. I didn't know that bit. So, you know, the and cyclists know that the problem is not that drivers can't see you. No. It's that they're, they're not seeing you. Seeing you. And, and it is not because of anything the cyclist is doing. And, and we know that from so much research and, yeah. and, you know, that's well established. So having an ad that seems to place so much emphasis on the cyclist to change, change their, their behaviour yeah. when it's not going to be effective and it does create that um, – atmosphere where it's okay to blame the cyclist no. you know the first thing when someone gets hit is people say what were they wearing yeah what were they wear? what were they what thinking were, you know not was the driver looking <laughs> out the windscreen so and, and it highlights actually there are some very accepted myths in cycling and one of the ads mentions the flashing lights yeah so flashing a light on and off inside an office is not equitable or equitable to somebody riding a flashing light during the day on their bike. Flashing lights can be particular. You can fall victim to target fixation when the light's flashing on and off. And as we all know, you tend to go where you're looking. Yep. And there's a reason flashing lights are banned in many countries. There is no established... Um, Reason research that shows that it is a more effective, no. straightforwardly more effective and safer than a non-flashing light. Um, so, and again, it creates the idea that it's the cyclist behaviour that has yeah. the most effect on the outcome. When you know the the response, I think people say, "What's the cause of accidents?" And we have that um, term. Sorry, mate, I didn't see you, Smitzy. Yeah, which is, and and you see those surveys where what can we do to help drivers see cyclists? And it's always about what the cyclists can do. Yeah. Whereas, sorry, mate, I didn't see you. That's it's it's your job as a driver. Yeah. Like it's it's in the legislation. You need to be looking and seeing what yeah. other users on the road. No. So it's an admission of guilt. It's not a, an excuse for an accident. No. If you didn't see someone in front of you. <laughs> I had somebody drive through with me on a single lane roundabout this morning. I'm Fun. going, like, he was impossible not to see me. Yeah. But he just kept coming yeah. through the roundabout with me. But let's, I tend not to get angry about those things anymore. <laughs> <laughs> At least he wasn't texting as he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all you know, all the research says that those things, like you say, don't help. And the other part about it, the research that we've spoken about last year, is the more you drive that same route, the less attention the you less pay. The less attention, yeah. Not and the more attention. You relax. You relax. You relax. Your you... eyes don't scan. You've already no. got an enormous amount of visual stimulation yep. coming in. And subconsciously, we choose not to pay attention to some of it. Yeah. You, you choose uh, what to take notice of and it's... Um... In an environment where the environment trains you to look for cyclists, 
um, you will you will notice them if there's a lot of them, and if it's a constant that there will always be a lot of them moving erratically and in different ways. You will be trained to yeah. look for them in an environment where you rarely see them. You're not going to uh, look for them unless you remain really vigilant yeah. and, and acknowledge that that is happening. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose a good way to think about it, you'd, oh, I hate using this analogy, you drive a red Mini. All you see is red Minis everywhere. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. an identifying. I ride bike, I don't drive a car, but actually when I'm in a car with somebody, it's the first thing I notice are yeah. the cyclists. Yeah. Well, Which, and a case in point is my husband's Dutch. Grew up and lived in the Netherlands most, not, well, yeah, still most of his life. Not all of his life yet. He's got not. a bit to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, the first few years living in Australia was always outraged at when, you know, even when he was driving, couldn't, you know, Australian drivers don't come across particularly well. And uh, he uh, would always be outraged at what they didn't see around them. And that, and then I think he'd been here about seven or eight years, and there was one day where we went to turn left, and there was a cyclist on our left, yeah. and only uh, managed to avoid that accident at the last minute. And he was horrified, like just horrified. But it really struck me that it is, you know, for so many years you had that constant stimulus around you, training you to look. Yeah. And then you go for so many years where it's much reduced. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it becomes something you have to be much more conscious of and vigilant. You can't rely on. Yeah. That. Just some backup that everything will. Yeah. Your lockers are perfect example. <laughs> 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 We're going to be back in a minute. Stay tuned to Yarrabug Show. FreeCR is a community radio licence holder. What you hear on community radio is governed by the community radio codes of practice. The codes of practice cover matters relating to program content, including local content, news, current affairs, Australian music, programs for children and the responsibilities associated with broadcasting by and for the community. They also cover aspects such as community access and participation in the operation of this station. Copies of the code are available from the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash who we are. And you're back listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR this fine Monday morning. Got something on your mind, Val? I have. Well, of course, my <laughs> mind is a chaotic arrangement of thought processes running back to the other. Some people have been listening to the show. There are. I'm not going to get into any helmet war about here. I'm actually going to talk about helmets and what, how you wear them or what helmets are. People would have noticed that there's been a good uptake starting to get a lot stronger now because a couple of the big helmet manufacturers are getting on board. I don't like using a commercial brand, but if you understand the idea of the MIP system, there the MIP system mainly involves your helmet is tied to your head, but in between the helmet and the outside shell is the ability for the shell to move 10, I think, to 15 mils when you hit the road. A lot of people don't realise you don't hit the road at a 90-degree angle when you fall off. You're hitting it at an angle. Part of the cause of that concussion that comes from this 
is the rotational effect on your skull, not the driving in at a 90-degree thing. A woodpecker can drive his beak into a tree 200 times a minute with a lot of force, but he's doing it at 90 degrees, so there's not much, there's no damage to him. When we fall off a bike and our head rotates, our brain gets caught in that rotation and is a little bit behind it. That's probably one of the biggest causes of concussion after falling off a bike. Now, a couple of helmet brands are starting to produce MIP-style helmets that are well in the price range of most cyclists. And I know, and I'm just going to say this myself, I am buying a MIPS helmet. I've never crashed or landed on a helmet ever before in my whole life, but I see the sense in this, and I applaud that actually some of these bicycle manufacturers are now starting to make them affordable. A couple of things you should realise, you will never ride in an equestrian event now unless you've got a MIPS helmet on. I'm pretty sure some of the skiing is all about the same thing. I might be wrong there. But all those other horses are the best example because they probably represent the same speed. You can't ride in any of those things unless you're wearing one of these helmets. Yeah. I'm going to say five out of six parents who buy helmets for their children will buy them a MIPS helmet. (laughs) and look it it, it, it's important in some ways the other thing is i've become a little bit phobic now about actually how people wear helmets i had a lovely interaction with a five-year-old noah i hope you're still listening between noah and i we got his helmet two fingers above his eyebrows and a lot of people don't understand that the helmet is useless unless it's positioned rightly i come across a help a photo of me from must have been 1958 I think I'm riding my tricycle I've got a helmet on yeah (laughs) (laughs) well it is that thing that um you know you're not always going to need a helmet while you're riding but in Australia you do have to wear one so you don't want the helmet to be contributing to any injuries you might have or the cause of any and if you go back through the history of helmets in Australia, a lot of people remember we used to wear just foam buckets, mm. nothing on the foam at all. So what happened when you fell off was the foam bit into the the uh, bitumen and stuck. You did get a really bad pay, top case of um, rotational concussion. Yep. Then after that was sort of worked out, we ended up with the plastic shells on top in the idea that they would skid along the road and cut down the rotation yep. forces. Then there was a difference between people who just stuck the skin on and then modern helmets now they're in the mould. Yeah. So we've, we know this problem yep. and we've actually changed the safety standards to suit it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, well... The, um... the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll... Uh... Oh, there is just one. It's a it's a kind of piece of non-news, but I think it's worth reminding everyone. Um, the inquest into the death of Mike Hall last year, um, the the coroner's report was to be released in January, yep, two thousand nineteen. It hasn't been yet, no. so um, hopefully that uh, we will hear some more about that soon. But um, maybe time to have that on our radars. 
And um, another little piece of news, uh, late, very late last year, Moreland Police uh, were very effective with uh, police officers on bicycles in uh, catching dry, distracted drivers who were using their mobile phones. Um, and I saw just recently they're now also doing this in Geelong to great effect. I looked it up and um, I think about four or five years ago there were some reports of them doing this on motorcycles. Uh, and yeah. uh, and I was thinking, so why would the bikes be more effective? It's it's the speed you're travelling at, isn't it? Yeah. That you can see and notice yeah. and, and then relay information to someone ahead. Yeah. Um, but... Th- and I think the other thing is, if you're a cyclist, like, say, let's please, you get 20 cars going past you. Yeah. So you see those 20 cars. If you're a motorcyclist, you'll only get two or three because the speed difference. You're, you're yeah. at the same speed and, you yeah. Know, you see a small field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but good to see some uh, more policing of that because as anyone who regularly rides knows or even sits on public transport, um the majority of drivers are looking at their phones and it's, you know, a terrifying thought yeah. when you are asked to be dressing up more visibly <laughs> because that will apparently stop them. And I think <clears throat> I might be wrong about this. I think the year before there were 16,000 infringement notices for fines. I think last year in 2018 it's got to 23,000. Mm. So you've got to do something about it. Yeah. So a couple of events coming up. Um, 2nd and 3rd of February, the Commuter Cycle Summer Solstice Bike Campout. Um, okay. Very summer solstice, obviously used quite loosely there, but um, uh, a sort of summer version of the winter solstice campout to Longridge and uh, a really fun, chill weekend, one night's camping Roughly 30 kilometres each way, kids and musical instruments encouraged a great ride for, um, especially for families with kids wanting to give it a first shot. It's almost yep. all on bike paths and, and pretty doable and uh, an awesome little spot. Has uh, flushing toilets too for go. a campsite. So. All the mod cons, don't yep. bring the shovel. <laughs> uh, also coming up in February is uh, on the 16th, Bike Rave. Yep. So that's uh, um, this year's version of the bike rave. So always a good, fun event with some uh, great music and a great atmosphere. So well worth, well worth it. Getting along to and on February the eleventh, Bike West in Footscray are having their annual general meeting. So we'll put a link up to that too. Good, good uh, organisation to get involved in if you live and ride out west. And that's all we have for the Arabug radio show today. Well, we <laughs> 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. And if you'd like to subscribe or donate to the station, you can do so at 3cr.org.au. Coming up next is... Jailbreak, of course. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.